Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection, featuring conversation highlights from The Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, it's Mark Hitchcock. He's an expert in biblical prophecy, and in a recent conversation, he discussed the role of Iran in the fulfillment of prophecy and shared comments about the possible significance of the coronavirus relative to Iran. And you'll be hearing part of the amazing story of Herman Mendoza, who now serves with Promise Ministries International in New York City. He was brought into a vigorous drug enterprise in New York and went to prison, where he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. Also, even in the midst of a worldwide crisis, the Lord is at work in powerful ways. Tom Phillips of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has a heart for revival and shares what he sees God doing in a time when so many people are in despair. And coming up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, Nick Warner has been involved in an effort to provide face shields for healthcare workers in the San Diego area using 3D printers and incorporating his wife and two sons. He has worked with a ministry based at the Rock Church in San Diego called the Jesus Geeks Computer Services Ministry, which was founded by Jack Costner. Coming up, you'll be hearing from Nick and Jack as they share how God has worked through this unique project. Then we continue to remember the plight of persecuted Christians whose peril has been compounded by the spread of the coronavirus. Ariel Del Torco of the Family Research Council brings news and insight about how believers are facing this new struggle. Finally, from Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2020 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Mark Rose spent some time there. He faced a perilous time as a pilot and long hunter in Alaska. In a blizzard and short on fuel, that crisis became an opportunity for him to trust God, and God changed his life. You'll be hearing part of his testimony ahead. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. The author of the book, Showdown with Iran, Nuclear Iran and the Future of Israel, the Middle East, and the United States in Bible Prophecy, Mark Hitchcock, shared about a variety of topics, including the threat of Iran in the world, as well as how it could use the COVID-19 situation to further its ambitions. He is an associate professor at Dallas Theological Seminary and senior pastor of Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. Here now from a recent conversation is Mark Hitchcock. Iran's stated goal is to uh, wipe out Israel. They want to wipe Israel off the face of the map. Uh, like someone said, at least uh, they're given a recognition that Israel's on the map. Um, <laughs> right. That's the only good thing about that. They want to wipe them off the map. You know, they're the little Satan. Uh, the U.S. is the big Satan. And, uh, yeah, they have a, des- a desire to, to destroy Israel. Well, you know, one thing I always like to mention when we talk about Iran is, you know, we're not talking about the people of Iran. Uh, we love the people there. Um, it's this Mullah regime. It's the, it's the uh, you know, radical Shiite Islamic regime that's running the country. And, uh, of course, um, you know, Iran is trying to cross the nuclear finish line. Now, that's, that's one of the most dangerous things. Here just a few days ago, they fired off a, a military satellite. Um, which, again, if they're able to put that satellite in orbit, that's the same thing. They could put a nuclear warhead on one of those missiles and fire it anywhere in the world. Now, they keep harassing, you know, our, our ships in the Persian Gulf, which uh, prompted President Trump to say, you know, that he gave permission to the ships there to, um, you know, shoot down or to destroy these these ships. Uh, they have all the kinds of proxies throughout the Middle East, um, in Iraq, that are, you know, attacking Americans there. Um, they have Hezbollah in in, uh, in Lebanon. They have Islamic Jihad down in Gaza on the west coast of Israel. So, 
Uh, they really have their tentacles spread throughout the entire Middle East. Uh, they're the greatest sponsor of terror in the world. And also, you know, Iranian troops are right now in Syria, right on Israel's northern border. Of course, Russian troops are there as well. Uh, they've used the whole civil war there in Syria uh, to really gain a foothold uh, right there on Israel's northern border. So uh, they're spread out really all over the Middle East, and, and their agenda is, is a very clear one. They, they've really never tried to hide it. Uh, they want to destroy Israel and wipe them off the face of the map. So they're very dangerous. And I think the whole COVID-19 situation where, you know, they've been hit really hard by that, but also they can use that as a diversion. And also, mm. you know, America, we have a couple of our large ships uh, that are that are uh, naval vessels that are kind of sidelined right now because of COVID. So a lot of these bad actors are kind of taking advantage of this situation right now. Some of the initial news was that Iran had, as you noted, been particularly hard hit by the coronavirus. So share with us how you see that Iran and the effect of COVID-19 might could be used as a diversion, especially in light of you know those that might say, well, Iran might be crippled by this disease well yeah we don't know of course same thing with china with iran north korea these uh you know closed societies we really don't know the extent of it there but you know there's been a lot of unrest in iran on the part of the people there who are deep were very oppressed um you know it it could cause uh, you know the people an uprising there you know against their government um also the government can go out and try to the mullah regime can try to go out and do something to create a diversion to get people's minds off of how bad it is there in their country. So we don't really know which way it's going to go there. Uh, We don't really know what's happened there. We don't know which way it's going to go. But, you know, they could use this as a diversion to get people's minds in their country off how badly they've handled this whole thing. But also, um, you know, seeing that, uh, you know, America's naval power is kind of a little bit more limited right now, they could seize upon that opportunity as well. Uh, But they're very cagey. They're calculating. Um, again, they're they're you know working overtime to try to cross this nuclear finish line, and you know it's a they're, they're, it's a dangerous place, and it's just a matter it's not a matter of if but when uh, there's going to be a conflict that's going to rise over there between the U.S. and Iran, or or, or Israel and, and Iran, or both. And uh, again, how this whole coronavirus plays into that is. Hmm. Is, is really an interesting question. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. So as we look at the prophetic significance of Iran tied into Bible prophecy, how do you see that? You're right. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, there's a, a, a cr- incredible prophecy there written over 2,500 years ago. Uh, the prophet Ezekiel says that the, when the Jewish people are back in their land in the end times, they're going to be invaded by a coalition of nations. They're going to come to try to wipe them out. And it lists the nations there in, in Ezekiel 38, 1 through 6. Of course, it uses ancient names mm-hmm. for these places, but we look for the modern counterpart of them. And Ezekiel 38, 5 mentions Persia, which became Iran in, in 1935, which became the Islamic Republic of Iran in the late 70s. So Iran is mentioned there. Ru- Rosh or Russia is mentioned. Um, Turkey, there's several donate places there during modern-day Turkey. So Again, written 2,500 years ago, it reads like today's headlines of these nations that are kind of coming together, forming alliances with one another, that the Bible says are going to invade Israel uh, in the end times. Mark Hitchcock here on The Intersection. His website address is marklhitchcock.com. 
Next on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's Herman Mendoza, Associate Pastor at Promise Ministries International in New York City and author of the book Shifting Shadows, How a New York Drug Lord Found Freedom in the Last Place He Expected. In our conversation, he shared his transformation story, including how he came to know Christ while in prison. Here now from that conversation is Herman Mendoza. My second eldest brother was also involved with cocaine distribution. And he had gotten arrested and uh, fled the country, came back to America, and someone gave him in, and he was extradited back to New York, and we bailed him out on a half a million dollars. And so I started to work with him, or he came to work with me in my criminal enterprise, you know, at the time. And so he uh, and I started to work now, uh, you know, moving, you know, hundreds of kilos of cocaine. And one of his clients, or one of the folks that he knew was working with the DEA and eventually gave us in and we got re- we got arrested now on a federal charge. So we were confronting 11 kilos of cocaine that they confiscated and over 200 kilos uh, on a conspiracy uh, case. And so here, 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 here am I now in jail second time, now in a federal rap. Uh, waiting for the outcome of that case. And I get bailed out. My brother doesn't get bailed out. And I'm looking for a way out, saying, what am I going to do with my life now to get the situation you know, resolved? So I started to consume alcohol, consume alcohol every day to try to numb the pain that I was feeling and that I was going through, trying to find a way out. And I decided not to go to my court appearance because my attorney told me, you're facing 25 years to life. And so now I'm out on the run, I have the federal officers looking for me. And one night, I went out to a club drinking and partying. I, did, I told my driver, uh, take me to my home to visit you know, with my wife and my children. I wanted to see them at the time. And so he said, you sure? And I'm like, yes. And so he drove me over to Pennsylvania. Uh, that's why I had my home in a private community. And as I entered to the private uh, gated area, the officer said, do you have a home here? So I gave another information of a relative that lived in the complex. And so he let me go, you know, he let me pass. And when I went into my home, uh, I was just, you know, all messed up from the night of partying and uh, went to sleep. And early in the morning, my wife picks up the handset. There was a phone call and it was the police. And they told her that the house was surrounded by marshals, the state police, local officers in the DEA. And the very first reaction, I put on my clothes, tried to jump out the window, and there was an officer there. And when I went back in, I told my wife, my life is over. Open the door. And so they arrested me. They hauled me into the, uh, into the patrol car, and they sent me out to, uh, to jail. At the time I was out on the run, my brother gave his life to the Lord. And his prayer was, Lord, release uh, I bring my brother to the same facility where I'm at so I can minister the gospel to him so he can come to know you. Because if not, they're going to kill him. And the Lord will have it no other way. There will be no other recourse. He's, the Lord sends me to the same facility, the same cell block where my brother was at. And he sees me and he says, praise the Lord. I'm like, praise the Lord? We're in jail, man. I wasn't understanding the same, the, the language and 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 what he was saying with me about the gospel and his continence was different and he shared the gospel with me. And at the time I was just really, you know, I was really distraught. 
I had no other avenue. And uh, my lawyers were like, you're looking at, you know, a lot of time. And so I, I fired them and I hired some other attorneys. And they said, look, you're looking at a lot of time here. And so one day I remember I was walking to the chapel because my brother had invited me. He says, look, your world is upside down. What you need is to listen to the word of, of the Lord. And and who was preaching was inmates. Inmates hmm. were, were preaching in this particular chapel. And I was having sort of a conversation with God. I was saying, if you're for real, fill this void, fill this emptiness that I'm feeling. I want to know you. You know, I was kind of, you know, asking these questions. These, I was, you know, telling God, like, my life is upside down. And so when I went to the chapel, and there were about 70 inmates there, the preacher was saying the same exact words that I was feeling, and I was kind of, you know, thinking and pondering. And towards the end of, it, of the sermon, he said, if there's someone here that's been going through this, chasing after things that were not satisfying you and doing all these crazy things. And, you know, God would take that pain away, that God would, you know, fill your heart and, and give you peace. And I knew it was for me. And he says, come to the altar. And I, and I just, you know, made my way and walked to the altar and just started to cry and said, this is me. I, I'm here, Lord. And I gave my life to the Lord at that moment. Herman Mendoza here on The Intersection. His website address is hermanmendoza.com. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast with Tom Phillips, Vice President of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. In our conversation, he discussed the work of God in the midst of the coronavirus crisis, including the BGEA prayer line. He's author of the book, Ignite Your Passion for Jesus, Your Guide to Experience Personal Revival. From that conversation, this is Tom Phillips now. We work, as you know, Bob, <clears throat> literally all over the world, and um uh, I, I'd like to preface this comment I'm going to make uh, with a statement from Billy Graham. In 1949, on video, we have Mr. Graham saying this, quote, I am praying for an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, heaven-sent revival that will sweep our nation from coast to coast. So Billy was praying for this heaven-sent Holy Ghost revival that would sweep America from coast to coast. That was 1949, 2012. We caught him again on a video, and he said, I'm praying, and he said exactly the same thing. And then in his latter days, when he had no energy but for prayer, he said, I'm praying for an old-fashioned Holy Ghost, heaven-sent revival that would sweep America from coast to coast. And we think that it's gone even beyond America to the rest of the world. For example, we have a lot of friends in the U.K. and England, and one pastor said, I'd, I'd never done anything like streaming. He said, I, I only preach to 100 people. But he said, I have an audience now of 10,000 every Sunday, mm. from 100 to 10,000. I believe, we believe that the greatest attendance at Easter ever in the history of the American church happened this year when people were having to go to streaming and everyone in their home who were locked in and couldn't get out. It's as if Ingram Lotz was prophetic a few years ago when she said, it looks like the world's falling apart. No, it's actually falling into place. And that's from prayer. Prayer lubricates the Creator's gears, and then He begins to work in the human mind. And we're seeing pastors, as you said, unifying and saying, we want to do whatever it takes to reach our nation with Jesus. In the U.K., a lot of Church of England pastors 
had become erudite communicators of theology. But now, because of this coronavirus and people tuning into them, they're actually sharing the gospel and becoming very excited about getting the good news to people who are tuning in who would have never come into a regular church. So God is at work in a very, very special way. No phenomenon in history is more clear than the recurrence of revival. When God's presence comes in a Kairos moment, when there's this window that God opens in heaven and his presence comes down on people, that's when they know that they're sinners, and that's when they want to turn to him. But it's not out of fear, it's out of goodness. Look what God has done for me. The Bible even says the goodness of God leads people to repentance. Look what God did for me. Look how he loved me. Look how he took my sins on the cross. Look how he overcame sin and death. I want him in my life. And then lives change. It's just amazing. And then even health changes. I just read an article this morning about the First Great Awakening in the early 1700s with Jonathan Edwards in Northfield in Massachusetts in Boston area. And it said that when people began to quit living the profligate life, drunkenness and um, wantonness, and began to live by the Word of God, even the health of New England. And Jonathan Edwards was a Calvinist theologically. He didn't believe in divine healing. But when he preached the gospel and the Holy Spirit fell, and people began to relock their hearts with the heart of the Creator God, they became new creations. And even their health improved way back then. And the same thing can happen in America today. Tom Phillips here on The Intersection. You can learn more about the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association at billygraham.org. More information on the book can be found at jesusnowawakening.com. This is the Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House. Find out more at meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. When you go to the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection. You can find The Intersection podcast in that Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. Plus, you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And there's a link to video content, including content from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and through a variety of podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Continuing now with the Intersection Podcast, I had the opportunity to talk recently with Nick Warner, joined by his sons Mason and Riley. He shared about his family making face shields for healthcare employees in the San Diego area using 3D printers. They were joined by Jack Costner, founder of Jesus Geeks Computer Services Ministry based at the Rock Church in San Diego, with whom Nick has worked. From that conversation, here now are Nick Warner and Jack Costner. We kind of started it. Um, we have three 3D printers. We had three 3D printers to start with. Um, we have a friend that works in healthcare, um, and we just kind of saw how it was uh, affecting folks, and our printers had kind of just been sitting idle. Um, so we 
you know, we had seen a YouTuber that we watch had been printing these for his area up in Washington. And um, so we just started printing them off and then just donated them over to a friend. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. Somebody, um, you know, heard that we were doing it and then uh, donated some money and then somebody else donated some more. And then started seeing that there's a, a, a real big uh, need for it, apparently. Um, so then we just kind of just started from there and just kind of take on its own, its own lead. And then Jack, I uh, was telling him about it, and then he asked how he could help, and then this is where we're at right now. The Jesus Geeks Computer Services Ministry. So, Jack, tell me about how that ministry actually got started. Um, yeah, it was uh, in uh, 2008, and uh, I was I was a new Christian. I was I was born again in 2005, and um, I just happened to. Uh, help a coworker uh, with their computer at their home, and uh, as I was helping um, him with his computer, um, you know, I, I felt that I was supposed to share the gospel with this uh, with a guy. So I did it the best way I knew how, and uh, after that, his his computer was fine and everything seemed okay. The next week, he came up to me, and he. He wanted to thank me for what I did the other day. And uh, I was like, yeah, no problem. If, if you have any, any other computer issue, just let me know. And he said, yeah, yeah, for that. But, but also for telling me about Jesus, mm. because I, I think I found a church um, just, you know, last weekend and, and uh, I think I'm going back. And, and that, that kind of blew my mind. Cause I was like, okay, so, so God was able to use uh, technology to help, you know, save somebody and, you know, and give them a new life. So uh, that's where the idea was born. And so we basically, me and my wife took it to the Rock Church and, and they had an outreach team there. And, and that's kind of how it, how it all began. So Nick, how is it that you got involved in the Jesus Geeks ministry? Uh, Jack and I were coworkers um, up until recently. Um, we have a lot of the same interests. We've uh, gone to some, some, cybersecurity conferences and uh, he's told me about his ministry um we live in two different areas of san diego so we we go to two different uh two different churches um but you know so he i was looking to see how we can um make the, i mean not really make this thing grow because that wasn't our intentions in the beginning we were just trying to sustain without um you know really financially affecting us because it does take quite a lot. So we were just kind of reaching out, um, different areas. I was just talking, I talked about it all the time at work. And then, um, then Jack, you know, he's like, Hey, let me see how I can help you. How can the Jesus geeks help? Um, and how could I walk alongside you with this? How could we, you know, tackle this together? And that's kind of where we're at right now. And it's just kind of been incredible to see. Well, Jack, let's talk about the, the face shields. Nick was sharing earlier about him bringing that idea to you. So share about your involvement in this very, very much needed project. Uh, yeah. Bob, um, yeah. Nick told me about it, uh, what his, his, him and his family was doing with uh, the 3D printers um, and helping uh, some of their, their friends out with it. And, uh, you know, we kind of, as we were talking about it, we kind of, you know, both realized this was something God was, was using them for. So um, I, I asked them, uh, Hey, do you guys want this project to be part of, you know, the Jesus geeks, uh, ministry, you know, so 
so God can continue to use um, this technology for 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 reaching out to people and helping the, the healthcare workers out. And so um, uh, he talked about with his wife, and he, and he he said, "Yeah, let's you know, let's let's do this. Let's uh, see where God's going to take this." Jack Costner and Nick Warner here on the intersection. You can find out more about the overall ministry and get updates about the Face Shields Project by going to thejesusgeeks.org. Next on this edition of The Intersection, it's the Assistant Director of the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council, Ariel Del Turco. In our conversation, she discussed how Christians that are being persecuted around the world are facing further adverse circumstances as a result of COVID-19. She shared updates about a variety of countries. Here now for that conversation is Ariel Del Turco. The Chinese government spent months scrambling to contain the virus. They put intense lockdown measures on their people. But even in the midst of all that, where they were responsible for a global crisis, they still continued to tear down crosses off of churches. They demolished at least one church. There was also a report that on Easter Sunday, they um, demolished part of a church. And this just shows nothing, not even a global pandemic, will interrupt the Chinese government's persecution of Christians. Um, This effort to remove crosses from churches, it's really an effort to, as they say, sinicize religion, which is to make it more like the secular Chinese Communist Party and look a lot less like Christianity. I think it's hard to completely eradicate Christianity in China because there's um, over 100 million believers, but they're making an effort to crack down on these underground churches that don't follow the rules of the Chinese Communist Party. And for the churches that do, they're making them look a lot like um, just Chinese Communist Party propaganda centers. And the report you mentioned about China cracking down on um, a Zoom meeting, that that's another indication that these Christians are finding ways around um, the Chinese government's uh, crackdown. And so the Chinese government is now um, taking measures to make sure they cannot get around this. Mm. Well, and something very concerning, when I spoke with David Curry of Open Doors about the World Watch List for the most recent edition of it, he was talking about the use of technology that the Chinese authorities are actually implementing to be able to track the the activities of Christians and other religious minorities in China. It's rather insidious. Yeah, it's very scary. I think there are hundreds of millions of facial recognition cameras in China monitoring Mm. almost everything that people do. They've even installed these cameras in churches, and the fear is that um, they're going to obviously see and record everyone and everything everyone is doing in these churches and then decide, oh, what you're doing is illegal. So there's a fear of a crackdown on that. But there's also... There was also an interesting opportunity during the coronavirus where at least a couple Christians took to the streets to evangelize because everyone was wearing face masks at the time, and face masks impede the facial recognition cameras. So they were passing out tracts like on the street because they knew that they had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to evade the control of these facial recognition cameras. 
Well, Ariel, as we conclude our conversation today, there have been a number of incidences, different snapshots, if you will, of various countries around the world where persecution and COVID-19 have combined to really make things difficult for persecuted Christians. So how do we as believers in Christ respond to this? I know persecuted Christians continuing to look to their Savior and to have hope even in the midst of despair. And I think that we can learn a lot from them, can't we? Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I think this is a unique opportunity, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, to like relate to the Christian churches in all these places. We often don't relate to their level of persecution, but we do relate to their trying to adapt during the coronavirus, and they are the body of Christ, and so we should be um, feeling empathy for these people, praying for them, remembering them, and um, feeling more connected to them during this time. Ariel Del Turco here on The Intersection. You can find out more about the Family Research Council by going to frc.org. Finally, it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2020 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Pilot Mark Rose discussed his experiences with spiritual implications documented in a film he's released called Alaska Long Hunters based on his book called Last of the Long Hunters. Here now is Mark Rose. You know, we talk about our outs, right? Well, it's out of all my outs. And, you know, I look back on it, I know it was the Lord that was doing that. Uh, and at the end of my fuel, I could hear, I heard the engine starting to cough. And I thought to myself, you know, this is, I got myself into this, but this is really unfair to this passenger sitting next to me. He's starting to panic because he sees we've been on E. He knows the game, right? You're on E long yeah. enough. And so... What did I do? You know, I didn't have an eject button or parachute. So, you know what? I decided to say my first prayer, Bob. The very first one. The first prayer I'd never wow. prayed in my life. Mm. And it went like this. I said, if there's a God, I need your help now. Mm. And you know what? There was an illumination in my mind. In fact, I, I remember looking at the cockpit ceiling. It's like, I feel like I'm glowing. Honest truth. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a male voice, a little sarcastic, and said, Son, you said the right thing. Just like that. And I thought, what am I going to do with that at 3,000 feet? You know? But I just continued on. My engine cleared up. I kept going. And I looked out, and we kind of broke out, and I could see the outline of a city out in front of me. It was like this, looked like the celestial city now that I've become a Christian and read that book. And I thought, this is cool, only one problem. I got 12 miles of 35 degree salt water across on no gas. And I'll tell you what, here I am today. I made it across, but I'll tell you what, when I landed, I was a different boy. Hmm. My heart was open now, where it wasn't open before got my attention. Well, I was still stubborn. Flash forward five months. I decided to read the Bible. Flew it through on a bet from what was to become my wife to read this Bible. So I read the Bible cover to cover honestly. And I decided I was going to be honest. I wasn't going to lie to anybody, but I was going to read it. And I'll tell you what, I fell in love with the God of the Bible. Shouldn't wow. be embarrassed by him. 
this is a cool guy. He's a nice guy. He's a fair guy. He's an easygoing guy. And he wants the best for us. And, of course, God introduced to Christ. Still was not a Christian. So what's going to happen to me to find Christ? So I woke up one morning in camp, walked out to the machine. I was working on a fleet of helicopters there. I was a pilot mechanic. And the ship was gone. We called our helicopter ships. Uh-huh. All your military guys will know that. And I, a guy drove up and says, you know what? He needed to make one trip to the top of the mountain. He's going to come back and get you. He knows he's supposed to pick you up right here. Great, great, great. Wait, wait, wait. No ship, no ship. Guy drives back, back up again and says, you know what? He crashed. But he's alive. So I take another ship up there to go look at this situation, right? And I look down there, and there's the ship upside down. But in my seat, there's a 55-gallon drum. If I'd have been in that aircraft, I'd have been dead. The pilot side was fine. Mm. The co-pilot side was destroyed with this drum in there, right? And I thought about that. I said, you know what? I'm just not getting it. So, you know what? They, I had an extraction airplane to get me out of there. Uh, we pulled that. And uh, on the flight, it was March 15th, 1977, a long time ago, I gave my heart to Christ. Clearly, definitively, confessed my sin, accepted Christ, and believed in creation. Uh, there was no compromise in that. And chapter 1, verse 1 of Genesis was on my heart and mind. I did not believe that. I couldn't believe it with my evolutionary uh, philosophy, a humanistic philosophy. I couldn't believe it. And you know I wrote that book, The Noah Code, later. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I wanted to uh, research that as hard as I did search for, searching for the voice and the God that spoke to me. And uh, you know what? I started saying more prayer. So I think, you know, the key, if I was to share with your audience anything today, is for those that are confused about God, want a relationship with God, just say that first prayer. God doesn't care your situation or uh, what your, your needs are. He's capable of answering prayer, even to a lost guy at 3,000 feet in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. Mark Rose here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to longhunters.org. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the media center marked Meeting House On Demand, where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on The Intersection Podcast. You can also find links to the podcast there. It can be found in the media center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is the front room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the meeting house. And the other is the three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. And there's a link to video content, including recently added content from the 2020 NRB convention in Nashville. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to faithradio.org. There's a link to the Meeting House homepage in the programming section. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. 
iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.